the second time, first one being last night, I get to introduce our guest speaker today, our keynote speaker for our missions conference, uh, Kelly Jackson. And uh, let's see, where is Kelly presently? I think he's, uh, yep, he'll be back in a minute. Um, <laughs> Caroline's back, back, back in. Kelly will be there. Wave, yeah, wave at him again, Caroline. Look back in the back there, folks. Kelly Jackson uh, is, uh, yeah, here he comes. You ought to be hearing your name uh, down the hall there, Kelly. No, it's probably, I know you got kids. That's, that's, that's a beautiful, beautiful sound, brother. Don't worry. We, we, we can wait for that. Um, but Kelly uh, is a, the RUS campus minister at Florida State University. And uh, if you've ever heard of RUF, uh, Reformed um, uh, University Ministries, uh, our, our Reformed University Fellowship, uh, it goes by officially now, now what? Yeah, yeah, it was originally, yeah, so there's been a little change, but it's, it's R, RUF now and uh, uh, RUM now, that's right. Okay, now RUF, okay, okay, anyway. Kelly is our missionary and uh, our, the panhandle here to the college students uh, at uh, Florida State University. And he has his fa lovely family, his wife Caroline with us today, and um, uh, his children, and we've had a, a good time. And I hope that, again, all our missionaries in the picnic, it's a great opportunity for you to speak to uh, not just only Kelly, but other missionaries that have been with us this weekend, and uh, ask them more about their work, how you can pray for them. Uh, this is a great opportunity to do that. And uh, But uh, Kelly is also a member of Gulf Coast Presbytery in the PCA, uh, so we get to see each other quite a bit. Uh, matter of fact, we've got a uh, meeting coming up uh, this, <laughs> this uh, uh, Tuesday, I think, uh, and uh, we just had a wonderful uh, opportunity with uh, Dr. Richard Pratt, who's also been through our missions conference and just telling some exciting things about what God is doing and the nations of the world. And uh, Kelly spoke to us last night, talking to us about RUF, and I'm not going to spend a lot more time, but he's a wonderful brother. I love his energy. I love his passion. Uh, he, he, he is so on fire for what God is going to do. He just can't wait till, to see who God's going to bring across his path. And so, Kelly, we are, are so glad you and your family are with us today and uh, this weekend. And if you would now, brother, come and bring God's word to us. Uh, we look forward. We prayed for you, and we trust the Lord's going to feed us. Thank you, Joe. Thank you for having me. And I wanted to say, is Carol, where's Carol at? And she go out. Thank you so much, uh, Carol and Missions Committee. Uh, I guess I can speak on behalf of my family, but all the missionaries uh, and ministries that y'all support, y'all have been very hospitable. Thank you so much. Uh, we've had a blast. Uh, and cool graphic. Uh, girls, thank you for your, um, your helping lead us in worship. That was really encouraging to see. I liked the way you moved, too. You, I, I play percussion, and I like to move when I play, and I worship the Lord. If you have a Bible uh, with you, we're going to be in Psalm 96, and uh, if you haven't been to anything thus far uh, with the Missions Conference, welcome uh, to First Pres and welcome to the Missions Conference. Uh, we're actually looking at the psalm in which the theme verse uh, for the, the Missions Conference sits, and I, I just thought, hey, 
that's a great verse. Let me look at Psalm 96. This is a great, verse, uh, a great chapter to, to preach on on Sunday morning. Uh, but like Joe said, I'm the RUF campus minister in my fifth year at Florida State and uh, have loved being with y'all. And uh, I've been here prior, but came last year for this missions conference and left so refreshed and encouraged. And this weekend has uh, been a repeat of that. So good to be with y'all. We will get to Psalm 96 in just a minute, but in Matthew 28, uh, Jesus commissioned his disciples with these words. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you to the end of the age. This is one of the classic uh, texts that we go to in scripture to be reminded of the mission, right? That Jesus gives to to Christians, to his disciples, go make disciples of all nations, teach and observe all that I've commanded you. But there's a reason the Holy Spirit hasn't just preserved Matthew 28 for us, right? Uh, He's preserved the rest of scripture. It's one of the reasons in scripture that we have a clear principle to gather on the Lord's day for corporate worship. Most of us, we need more motivation than one Bible verse uh, in order to live missionally, right? Right? And we need to be reminded uh, why and how uh, this Christian life is to be lived, why and and how we are to be on uh, mission. And so how can we motivate ourselves today in this service uh, to be missional, to have a a mission mindset? How How can you and I be encouraged to be evangelistic in our daily lives? I love what was said earlier. It's not just going around the world, it's, it's going across the street. I mean, it's our families, it is the workplace. We, we are all missionaries. And so today we're gonna leave that great passage, Matthew 28, uh, the tail end of it from the New Testament, and we're gonna actually look at a song. If you didn't know this, the Psalms are a song book uh, that is written to uh, Israel. Uh, and you may remember as we approach this text that Snow White, kids, this is for y'all maybe, or anybody that loves Snow White. What's that song that the, the dwarves sing? What is it? Anybody know? It, it goes, dun, 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 dun. Da, 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 da. Whistle while you work, that's right. They sang that song, why? To help motivate themselves to do the grueling work of mining, right? Maybe you've noticed that whistling or singing to yourself helps motivate you to clean your room or do that spring cleaning exercise that you put off over and over again, whatever the task at hand is. And so, y'all, in the spirit of the seven dwarfs, we're going to practice singing. We're going to practice this this psalm singing thing, just like we've sung these hymns before now. And I think that we'll see that the tasks and the life that God has put before us will become more meaningful, that we will be more hopeful uh, and more motivated to sing our lives uh, to God for his glory. So let's pray, and then we'll read Psalm 96 together. Lord, thank you so much that we can be here on this Lord's Day uh, to begin this week, and we could do it in worship and rest. And I pray that you would uh, fill our tanks this morning, uh, this afternoon, this evening, Bless our fellowship after church as we gather and eat together, uh, breaking bread. And Lord, I just, I know I need to be reminded uh, of the good news of the gospel that is for all the nations. And I pray that you bless the reading of your word now and our time in it. Uh, And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So Psalm 96, we're going to read the whole thing. It's only 13 verses. Here we go. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. 
Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Y'all, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. So here we are in this Old Testament song, Psalm 96, and we're being reminded with the Israelites to sing to God. Why do you think they were reminded to sing? Because left to themselves, and we, left to ourselves, will probably look around at the world and either be convinced it's never going to get any better, or, or we'll be distracted uh, from what really matters by all the things that, that distract and discourage us, or we'll be convinced that it's all on me, you know, to be the one to fix everything. All of those things will either leave us empty or they'll crush us. But we're going to see in this song of Israel this morning, this song for the nations, as this sermon is titled, that God is ultimately the reason we sing it all. God gives this psalm to you and me, not just the Israelites, but he gives this song to you and me to warm up our spiritual vocal cords, to sing lives for his glory. And with its truth, he motivates us to take this new, new, strong, new song across the street and around the world, as my missions professor, uh, Elias Medeiros, would oftentimes say in seminary. So if you're taking notes, the outline's simple. First, we're going to look at the song we're learning to sing in verses 1 to 10. Then we'll see the echo creation sings in verses 11 and 12. And then lastly, we'll see how God resolves or finishes the song in verse 13. So the song we're learning to sing, the echo creation sings, and how God resolves the song. Let's talk about the song we're learning to sing. I don't know about you, but I've become a much more confident or maybe a more carefree singer just by doing it in the shower. Any shower singers? Uh, in the car by myself, I love when I'm driving and I look over and I see somebody singing really loud. Nobody can hear them, but I'm like, you get after it. You do your thing. I hope we have some people here today who enjoy belting out the lyrics to our favorite songs. Like, let it go, kids, anybody? That's a great one, right? When we're all alone. And if you think about it, any good singer, a professional singer, let's say, they're practicing scales with their vocal coach long before they're performing out on the stage, right? The first instruction that we see here in Psalm 96 is God reminding us to practice, 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 right? Psalm 96 begins how? Simply telling us to sing, sing, sing three times in the first three verses. Not only is three symbolic, when you think about the ramping up of intensity, like the angels singing, holy, 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 
is the Lord God Almighty. But it's clear here that God is encouraging you and me to sing all the time. Verse 1 tells us to sing a new song, to sing to the Lord. Who's supposed to be singing? All the earth is commanded to sing. And we're told of God's salvation. We're we're told to tell of God's salvation when? Every day, right? By the way, this is kind of cool in a a church like First Press. The the fact that this song is new is likely a military reference. Uh, It means because there has been a spiritual victory won by God because he reigns, we should sing about it. Right? Glory, glory, hallelujah, he reigns. I, my favorite part of the, the he reigns, too, is y'all doing the he reigns real fast, where they kind of throw that he reigns in there. But if you think about it, isn't it worth singing about that his mercies are new every morning? This new day has been brought to you by God. He is in control. He reigns. I can sing about that, can't you? Isn't it worth singing about that you and I are, are still safe in his once and for all redemptive work? He's not going to undo salvation for his people. I can sing about that too. And so this first triple command to sing in these opening verses is really God teaching you and me, reminding you and me to respond to him by practicing our praise throughout our days. When you look out into the world, maybe you're tempted toward discouragement. When we look at what's happening between Russia and Ukraine right now, I'm just overwhelmed by it. I just, I'm I'm in disbelief. It's so easy to be discouraged and to look, you know, to to look out and just say, Jesus, please come back. End it. Because it seems like everyone out there, myself included, we're all just too greedy for more and more. You know, if this international situation has been on your heart and your mind lately, know that God wants to hear from you. He wants to hear how you feel. Sing your lament. Sing your anger Pray to your father. By the way, did you know that more than any other genre of psalm in the Psalter, there is more lament than anything else? God wants to hear your sad songs. He wants to hear your joyful songs. He wants you to talk to him. He wants to help teach you and me healthy ways to process the highs and lows of our lives to process what we see out there in this broken world and how we are to proceed living each new day. That's exactly what the Psalms are for. This songbook of God to instruct us in our worship, meeting us in our joy and in our sorrow, connecting our hearts to God. So let's study this songbook and practice singing. But maybe recently you've experienced growth in your life or or God's provided for you or you've seen him working in or through someone around you and you're just filled up. Your tank is full. After a weekend like this, my tank's pretty full. I'm excited. I get to see God work pretty regularly in the lives of college students. I see their sin too, by the way. But Are we talking to God about these things? Are we thanking him when he saves, when he conquers our sin or the sin of others, when he provides? Are we acknowledging his sovereign hand? Sadly, I admit, I'm not doing this as often as I want to. God may answer a prayer and I'm just, you know, on to the next thing, worrying, frustrated, confused. A helpful practice is looking back at the day and saying, how did God provide today? What can I thank him for? How can I reflect on his faithfulness? But Psalm 96, it is here for you and me this morning to remind us to sing 
back to God. And if we are in the practice of literally singing and regularly praying to our Father, then we're going to be inviting him into our interactions, right? Into our relationships and our, word, our, our communication, our plans, more and more. And this will, in turn, work our missional muscles, won't it? Because we're going to be developing eyes and ears to, to, to interact with him and with the world. And so what else do we learn in this song? We go from a place of singing into verse 3, where we're told to declare God's glory among the nations. It's not just a personal thing that I do in my prayer closet, right? No, this song is taken out of the shower, out of the car, out of my head, and into the world. Is the truth of God's glory, like any great song, meant to be kept a secret? Is it meant to be kept to myself? No way. If I have found the meaning of life, should I be selfish with it? If I know of a well that won't run dry, shouldn't I tell others about it so that they can drink and never be thirsty again? If I've tasted the sweet honey of the gospel-powered relationship to the law that I now have in Christ, don't I want others who've never tasted it before to know it, to know him? Y'all, responding to God through prayer and praise is step one in learning this song. But if we want to grow in our faith and walk and talk by faith, then living with our words and our actions out there in the world, which includes at home with our families, by the way, it will look like us communicating with what we do and what we say that we believe God has done marvelous work, that his faithfulness has been great, that he is great and greatly to be praised, that unlike the worthless idols mentioned in verse five that we create and we worship with our time, our money, our eyeballs, this thing right here, all that screen time, right? Unlike all of them, God actually is the one true God who created the heavens and the earth and you and me. And then in verse six, we're invited to envision the heavenly sanctuary where God as king over all creation with splendor and majesty is reigning. Do you, let me just stop and ask you, do you think of God as king? We just had Pratt, and it was amazing. I made a joke when I gave my RUF report, like, I'm gonna quit RUF, I'm gonna go work for third millennium. Because it was awesome. He was so uh, passionate, and what God is doing through third millennium ministries is, is so powerful. But one of the things that Dr. Pratt taught us was when we say, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He's not just your father, he's the king. All the, the kingly imagery that we have throughout scripture shows that this God is creator, he is father, but man, he is in the throne room and he is doing his thing. He is in control of all of this. Psalm 96 is instructing you and me to live for his kingdom, to declare that he reigns. Some of you may be leaving First Press soon. Chris Ledford hosted me last year and they've, they've moved to, I think, South Carolina, but maybe you're gonna move to the other side of the world. And God is inviting you to remind anxious hearts that there is a God who is in control. Even when it looks like the world's about to fall apart. Even when your very heart is telling you it's all about to fall apart. And you feel it. God says otherwise, though. He reigns. Tell yourself. Tell others. Some of you may go home after church today. I guess most of us will probably do that. And you will have a very real opportunity to speak into the life of your spouse, your, your children, 
your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad, reminding them that even though it feels like my mind, my heart, my body, it's all out of control, there is a God who reigns and is not in the slightest afraid of my sin or your sin or or my anxiety or your depression or my anger or your sadness or your disorganization or my perfectionism. God's not afraid of any of that stuff. He reigns over it. Will some of you, and I'm especially looking at you, Jackson family, Caroline, please declare to me that this God is great and greatly to be praised tomorrow and the next day and the next day because I know my heart is prone to wander. And I need brothers and sisters in Christ to declare these precious truths to me. Sing, sing, sing this psalm. Declare it to yourself and the world around you. What else do we see in Psalm 96? Jumping down to the second major section of our song, we're told to three times ascribe. It's kind of cool that three shows up again. Ascribe or recognize is another translation. I'm actually going to read, we read the ESV. I'm going to read the New Living Translation here to help further define these verses. They say this, verses 7 and 8 uh, with the New Living Translation. O nations of the world, recognize the Lord. Recognize that the Lord is glorious and strong. Give to the Lord the glory he deserves. Bring your offerings and come into his courts. The same word for ascribe is translated here as recognize and give. What's going on in these verses? The singing of this song and the declaration is making its way out of our hearts and and out of our minds and out of our mouths and out of our lives into our relationships and into the lives of those around us and what is happening. The families of the peoples, as it says in the ESV, or the nations of the world are now hearing this song and they are beginning to sing it together. Or to put it another way, the volume of this song that began between God and the Jews way back when he called Abraham has been steadily turned up louder and louder and louder throughout history. So loud that the Gentile neighbors are hearing it and being invited, look at what it says, into the temple courts to worship. Do you see this in in verses 7 to 9? This blessing isn't just for Israel. It's not just for you and your family or me and mine. It's for those far off. Whether they're spiritually far off or they're also geographically far off. As you and I recognize and ascribe or identify, recognize that it is God who reigns. And as we live our lives in worshipful response, others will notice who we serve. They will see we're not building the kingdom of self, but we're, we're abandoning that Babel kingdom and we're committed to the kingdom of God. As we say among the nations, the Lord reigns and remind ourselves and others, he is the judge. They will know that we have a joy that runs deeper than our pain. It's okay to have the pain and the joy beneath it. That we have a deeper, hopeful, and peaceful river that attends our way even when our sorrows are rolling like sea billows. Whatever our lot, God teaches us to say in Psalm 96 and throughout the Bible that it is well with my soul, right? We may not feel it in the moment, but we preach this message to ourselves and to those around us that God is Lord before the storm, that he is Lord over the storm and he will be Lord after the storm passes. And after it all, we read with equity in verse 10, not injustice, that this God will judge the world. 
I mean, don't you and I long for a good judge to make a perfect verdict? Don't we want to see people out there who do justice and they love mercy? Y'all, this is the God of the Bible. He's better than anybody you know. This is the judge who will one day bang the gavel for the last time. So that's a song that we're, we're learning to sing. We're called to sing, declare, recognize, or ascribe you know, this glory to God with our lives. And then in verses 11 and 12, what do we see creation do? It's like they're echoing in joyful response, right? I'll read it again. In verse 11, let the heavens be glad, let the earth rejoice, let the sea roar and all life that fills it, let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy. I mean, do you hear the echoes? There, 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 you, you, you. It's like God is this um, choir director or this, um, this composer who's directing and he's like, yep, your turn, you go, uh-huh, yeah. Stand up, do your thing. It's this far-off song that's getting louder and louder, louder, and then it's matched, not just people, but with the creation, heavens, earth, sea, sea creatures, field, land, animals, plants, all of it. Yes! Like the famous Christmas carol I thought of while I was preparing, angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plains, and the mountains in reply echo back their joyous strains. Y'all, the creation is longing for God. Or to look at the other side of the coin, Paul says this way in Romans 8, 22, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. He continues, not just creation, but we ourselves groan inwardly as we wait. I like the image of childbirth because it's a beautiful but painful thing. My wife is pregnant right now. We're so excited Women in the congregation, if you've been pregnant, you know that it is an amazing, miraculous thing, but that your body goes through all kinds of, of pain as this life is inside you, and there's this tension of longing for new, new life while recognizing that this pain is very real. I think that's a good reminder that even as we're taught from Scripture, seeing of God's steadfast love and his grace and his mercy for those who profess faith in his son, the place we may actually first connect with the world across the street uh, or across our hallway or at the coffee maker or in some other country, it may actually be that we acknowledge that something is terribly wrong. And the person is like, wait, Christians, are they, they can talk about that? They, they accept that? I think most people living in the world today can recognize things are not the way they're supposed to be. War, as many of you know, is waged over land and resources and all kinds of things, and innocent life is lost as people fight over and over again to gain power over each other. I'm taken to James 4.1 when he says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Maybe the place where you actually begin to connect with your neighbor or even with God himself for the first time at a deeper level, is recognizing that the war starts within our very hearts and it proceeds outward. Like I said, most of the Psalms in the Psalter are lament. They're acknowledging this tension, this brokenness. Are you acknowledging the brokenness of the world, the brokenness within? Or are you pretending like everything's just fine? 
God actually wants you to hold the already and the not yet intention. He invites you to sing to him with your sorrow and your joy, with your longing, with your waiting. The creation is waiting too. Humanity and creation are invited to sing to God, but we can also praise him for not leaving it up to us to finish the song of history because we we would have, you know, if you think about this band imagery, we would have been a heap of instruments crashing into each other, all out of tune. It's kind of like that scene in Tarzan, storming the camp or crashing the camp where all the gorillas are just making a mess of everything, all out of tune, trying to steal a solo or an instrument from each other. But look, look, at, look at what, how this passage ends. Look, why, look at why creation is singing. Look at why we are singing. It's because of verse 13. Let me read it for you again. The trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. We sing in many ways because we know that God resolves the song. Resolution in music, if you're not musical, it's when things are closed or, or it's the move of a note or a chord from dissonance, from this unstable sound to consonance, to a more final and stable sound, a resting place, a harmony, a conclusion. Sooner or later in life, we will see that our systems, our rules, they either end up hurting us or others. The, you know, the system of judgment, as Paul talks about, that we may even write ourselves, we can't live up to. Maybe you're already there, or maybe you're still trying to shove the world and all the people in your life through, you know, making them into this peg and shoving them into that hole and saying, why aren't you working? It's not fitting the way that you want it to. And if you're there, this psalm is for you. God is telling us here in Psalm 96, I'm the only one who can finish the song. I started it, and this creation is mine And you need to trust me to be able to fix this thing, to be able to finish this song. We looked at Matthew 28 briefly to start this sermon. And in those few verses, Jesus reminds, he is with us. He says, behold, I am with you to the end of the age. He declared at the end of his life, it is finished. Meaning he satisfied the wrath of God and he offers us his perfect righteousness. And this is why we can sing this victory song but we're not singing a solo, y'all. When Jesus says he'll be with us to the end of the age, Jesus means he's going to send his spirit to be with us every step of the way to the very end. He says it's better that I go away because I'm gonna send the helper. And I love what the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 12, and I feel like it was referenced in one of the songs previously. He says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and by the way, we're coming out of chapter 11, the hall of faith, where it's like, by faith, by faith, by faith. All these people, it's like we're in a museum and then we're stepping out of the exit door and now we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, many of whom were in that hall of faith. And it's like, ah, they're all cheering, right? We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. So let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus, the founder or author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. What an encouraging reminder to all of us that it is God's song. 
to begin with. And it's, his, it's God's song to finish. Just as Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith, so also is he the author and finisher of this song to the nations. And he will return to finish the song. One of my favorite movies, we're just all musical this weekend, y'all, but it's called Mr. Holland's Opus. The older I get, the more I love it. And in it, Richard Dreyfus temporarily leaves a serious career of professional music to make some cash on the side. I remember him telling his wife, we're only going to do this for a little while. Like, this is not what I want to do. Don't really care about this school or these kids. But you can tell he's so above it all. He doesn't want to be there, but the years go by. And he keeps teaching one more year and one more year. And don't you know it, he spends 30 years at John F. Kennedy High School. One of my favorite scenes in the film, spoiler alert, by the way, it's been out for a really long time, so I'm not sorry. But is when the funding has been cut to his program, and it forces him to an early retirement. And he's questioning, have I even made an impact at all? Did my art get out there? Did I change anyone? Has my music meant anything? But then he hears somebody in the auditorium. And he gives way to curiosity. He's walking out with his like cardboard box from his desk. And guess what? The door's open. He comes into a room like this. It's full. Students from his entire career, those 30 years. One of whom I think is like the mayor of the state or something. Um, the governor of the state. Uh, they've all gathered to pick up this unfinished opus, Mr. Holland's opus. And they perform it with him conducting you know, give him the baton. And he stands up. And so as he's conducting, as they're performing, he sees how he was used in their lives. He's reminded of all these stories that matter so much. All those grueling years of pouring life and music into these students. And they're right there in front of him, and it's beautiful. Y'all, this is why passages like Psalm 96 and Hebrews and 11, 11 and 12 are so helpful to remind us, don't get distracted. Don't remain discouraged. Don't stop singing. Christian, God has blessed you and is calling you to sing, to live within his opus. And he will finish what he started because he is the king and his kingdom is so much greater than all the kingdoms of this earth. Trust him. Practice singing to him every day with your life. Look to the author and perfecter of the faith, the one who will come to judge the living and the dead, the one who is gentle and lowly of heart, who came into the world, who humbled himself by becoming like you and me, just like us, with skin and bones that he'll have forever so that we might call his father our father. He is good. He is the king. And his song, our song, is worth singing to every nation in every tongue. Let's pray together. Lord, we do thank you uh, for this psalm and, uh, God, for 149 other ones, uh, for letters, for poetry, for history, all, all these things that you've put uh, in this thing we call the Bible and God, I pray that more and more we would fall in love with you and we would value your words to us, that we would sing back to you and that we would trust you more and more and that our lives, our words, uh, our relationships 
that it would begin more and more to flow out of us the declaration that you do reign. God, you will finish the song. And we rest in that and we trust in that. We thank you for Jesus who said it is finished. And even as battles continue throughout uh, this life, and sometimes we feel like we're losing, may we rest and rejoice in the fact that the war was won on the cross and may we run to Jesus or sometimes just fall at his feet, uh, praising him, worshiping him. Uh, We lift up all these things to you, our lives to you, in the name of Jesus now. Amen.